Hello there, welcome back to Transactional Love. Wendy and I will be speaking to a friend of ours, Katie Berg, founder of Will and Atlas, based in Benicia, California. We'll be talking about the philosophy of fair trade, what is the meaning behind it, and how it supports global communities, the importance of contracts and clarity, especially when partnerships are formed from love, the story of her late husband's legacy, and her beautiful story of motherhood and strength through it all. She's incredibly inspiring. Hey, hey. Hi, Wendy. Welcome to today's episode of Transactional Love. Today's guest is Katie from uh, Will and Atlas, a company in Benicia, but you serve clients all over because you have a beautiful web store and uh, we're going to dive right in. I actually met your husband first years and years ago. Years ago. Yes. Hello, everyone. (laughs) How did you meet your husband? Curious about the story that brings us together. Yeah, because these are these strings that weave us, right? Yeah. I met him while I was a buyer for another company in Berkeley, and he came and sold baskets and bags to this little retail shop called Earthsake. They sell eco-friendly mattresses and this whole handmade, world-crafted product that we offer with this very conscious sort of lens. Tell me more. So we started with the antiques, started Mm -hmm. with French antiques. That Mm -hmm. was when I met William in 2001 and I joined him in that business a year later. So that was where we started. And then we had an opportunity to work in partnership with some longtime friends growing their business here in the States. And that's what he was doing when he met you. And then as things sometimes happen, Mm -hmm. that partnership dissolved and we created our own brand, Will and Atlas. Gotcha. So Um, for someone who hasn't met you or seen your brand or has experienced your brand online, How would you describe what you do, what your brand is, and who you serve? Will and Atlas is a fair trade artisanal home goods and accessories brand. I work in direct partnership with several artisan groups in Bangladesh, primarily that focus on women artisans and then also serve all different areas of their lives, whether it's healthcare, childcare, financial training, and microloans. The organizations I work directly with do so many other projects besides the handicrafts. Mm. Why? What pulled you to, to support that, so that our, part of the world through this work? Because yeah. I think that's probably one of the most fascinating William parts. had an opportunity to travel in Bangladesh okay. and meet these artisan groups while we were doing a different project. And he got to see firsthand how these organizations and this kind of work were helping people directly elevate the the women being able to financially contribute to their families and their own self-esteem and finding their own power. Mm. It really was changing lives. And then also allowing their children to go to school to create better lives for themselves. It was this beautiful cycle that he got to see firsthand. Yeah. And we wanted to continue to support that. Tell me about the name, Will and Alice. Yes, finding a name for a business is (laughs) so challenging. We had a list of probably four pages long of all these different names. We had a logo that we loved, the WA from, we were Williams Antiques with Mm. our previous uh, antiques business. So we knew we wanted to keep that logo. Will, William, that was a no-brainer. And then Atlas, just because it represents the world Mm. and travel. And that was something that was really important to us. Talk about that moment when you decided to, to be founders of Will and Alice. What's been that journey even before that moment? Yeah, right? like before you met Will and uh, what makes you suited to this yeah. as well? My background, I grew up, we moved around a lot. My parents both worked in healthcare, so we lived in different places, but they modeled pretty early on jobs that were in service to others. Mm. So that has always been an important value. 
in my life. I grew up mostly in Alaska and moved Ooh. to California to go to college. I worked in film and television production for many years oh, before wow. I met William. What kind of film? All kinds. A couple of features films. My claim to fame is my... 10-second cameo in the original Scream movie. <laughs> really? That's funny. It's perfect today's right? Halloween. I, I want to go watch it. I, I need the exact second. Oh, my so God, right. that's great. Yeah, I was um, working in the production office, and I delivered payroll to set. So mm. my friend, who was the second, had been working with extras all day, and he's come with me. That's amazing. So, yeah, somehow it stayed in the film. Yeah, I did a, a whole bunch of different kinds of production. I worked at the PBS stations doing cooking shows. That was start mm. of my career. This is before the Food Channel even existed wow. <laughs> so that was a great learning experience as well um and then yeah I met William and I'd always collected antiques and loved mm-hmm. that world and finding repurposing old things in, in daily life and you still have a piece of that right as part I of do. your brand okay I do yeah yeah we have champagne buckets I actually still have some club chairs and other just found accessories that's one of my passions yeah so I was able to take all of these skills um and then you know working with William doing the antiques importing for um, 17 years, I learned a lot about importing containers and the logistics and the specifics of, of that part of the business. And then it all has come together. In when you say Amber. importing containers, you're talking about the ones on big on the ships. On the big ships. Wow. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That, what was the most surprising part of that? Just Ex- when we did it with the antiques, just the amount of time and effort it takes. Every piece that we brought back was something that we found at a, at a flea market, at a professional antique show. We packed it into the truck then. We stored it. We packed it in the container, mm-hmm. unpacked it when it got here. So it's just the logistics of wow. how much time and effort it takes to, to get something here. Now, did you have yeah. kids when you were doing all no. that? Yeah, okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how yeah. did she do that with kids? That's crazy. We, yeah, <laughs> with our first, with my oldest was born in 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, as a baby, we took him with us to France. And, yeah. You know, it wasn't easy, but it was possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, we would work. We would get up at three or four in the morning, go to early antique fairs, shop mm-hmm. all day, and then have to load the truck, unload it at our storage. Yeah. Can I just say what a dream job? Yeah. <laughs> like, that just sounds so romantic. Because so that's exactly how it is for flower market too. It's <laughs> yeah. like you're up at the crack of dawn, you yeah. go, you pick, you hand select everything, you load it all up, you yeah. unload it, you process it. Like it's the same sort of yeah. like passion love, yeah. right? Like yeah. you have to really love it. It's a lot of physical hard yeah. work. So yeah. yeah, loving it is essential. Yeah. What were the secrets of the trade that you learned? Because I was able, I was fortunate to study abroad in, in Europe and mm-hmm. see some of these markets from a consumer side, but from a, what do you call it, a curator, like a buyer yeah. perspective? Yeah. What are things that you learned along the way that maybe someone wouldn't even think about? It really comes down to relationships. Um, yeah. And because we did it so long, and William was a very gregarious and easy person to talk to, he could meet somebody and five seconds later know their life story. So Yeah, that was yeah. the exact impression I got of him yeah. when I met him. I was <laughs> like, oh, you and I can be best friends. You guys lived here, yes. and I had never heard of Benicia at Wait, that where point. Was this this was in Berkeley, Berkeley when okay. I met him. And he's like, just come up, I'll show you yeah. the warehouse. Just come up and I'll show you. You would love it. And like, yeah. we geeked out on the antiques and yeah, it's, that is exactly how I would describe it. He's yeah. just, like, he's your best friend immediately. Yeah. 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 Working in France over 25 years, there were families that we got to know who would hold stuff for us. Mm-hmm. Different buyers at fairs we would see every year that would remember him and know what he's looking for. And yeah, it was all about relationships. Yeah. yeah. So on the Atlas piece, so you talked about Bangladesh. What were your top markets of other places where you were curating from? 
Pretty much all France and all Bangladesh. France. Yeah, okay. we specialized in French. It's interesting because the two parts of the world, those aesthetics mm-hmm. are not necessarily ones that you would put together. Put together. Yeah. yeah. But the way that you curate is impeccable. You make that work. And I actually feel like a lot of my aesthetic and design comes from exactly that sort of mesh too, this appreciation for very old storied items Mm -hmm. mixed with artisan created handcrafted products that have this thing that lasts forever too, right? The connection is the handcrafted. Mm -hmm. That's the thread that kind of runs through everything I do is that human hands created it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether it was an artist with a painting or an artisan making a basket or a bag, it's made by humans. So there's that heart and soul that goes into it. I'm picking up on a theme for our podcast. (laughs) I know, know, I'm like getting teary. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's really good. When you talk about your film background, Mm -hmm. I find that fascinating because I do see a lot of storytelling through the content that you share from the outside looking in. How is storytelling, what's the importance of it, and how do you implement it? You know, going way back uh, as a kid, moving around a lot, I was pretty shy. Um, I turned to books. So stories from the very beginning were really important to me. And getting to travel through time or other countries, other cultures, and relate to the world through other people's stories is something that's at my foundation. Being able to share the stories of the artisans who create these products is just it's key to what I do. It's not just a basket. It's something that was, the jute was harvested. It was braided. It was woven. It's gone through so many different people's hands before it actually gets to its final destination. So being able to share the experiences of the people along the way is a big part. That's how I experience the world is through relating to other people's stories. So Mm -hmm. how do they see the return? Because you're obviously taking these beautiful products that are being sourced, handmade, there bringing them here and because it's fair trade what does that look like when it goes back to them to say okay we've sold our product what does that transaction look like for you i have regular calls with the head of the main artisan group we we speak regularly we communicate online as well and being able to share hey we just had an order from amber interiors this has been a dream Mm -hmm. um so the women know that what they're doing is going out to this wide audience um that's been pretty special yeah Yeah. talk a bit more about those partnerships and the bigger buys that are more partnerships than it is just selling a product so that's something that I'm cultivating. I have always done everything myself. So in the last four years, learning to bring on uh, people to help me has been part of my growing experience. So I recently hired a sales rep. We've been working together about five months now. And through her connections, I've been able to reach out to some of these bigger brands to start developing more of those partnerships. And have that bigger platform, which yes. is incredible. Which the more I can sell, the more work there is for the artisans, um, the more benefit there is to them and their families, as well as my own. This is mm-hmm. how I support my family. Mm-hmm. One of the things I liked about my business is that at every step along the way, there's people benefiting from this product, mm-hmm. from the artisan to my family to the end user. It has a purpose. It's <laughs> incredible. Talk about your family and how you're juggling, because that's been an interesting pivot for a couple of our guests is that moment that motherhood did come into their lives and how that affected how they're thinking about their business. Yeah. So with our first, he was born with Down syndrome, which we didn't know until he was born. So that was a huge shift in how we operated. We were always like, go. So bringing him into our lives, we decided to slow things down a little bit and take our time. And that really enriched our lives 
so many ways. And then having a second son, that meant that I was home more. So Mm -hmm. William was the front face of the business more, and I did more of the behind the scenes. So that was another shift. And then we had a third son, so that kind of (laughs) made it even more that I was at home. (laughs) It's like gearing down, right? It's like, especially Um, in the little one age. Yeah. Yeah. Chasing a lot of Oh my goodness. A lot yes. of little feet. Yeah. So um, how, how old is your oldest now? My oldest is now 17. Okay. My middle is 15 mm. and my youngest is about to turn 12. Oh my gosh. December. So yeah, we're in a whole nother phase now. <laughs> Different kind years. of chasing. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So as a woman, motherhood was a huge shift. I at first thought most of it was because of my son having Down syndrome. I thought that mm-hmm. all these things that were challenging were connected to that. And then I had my second son and realized, oh, no, this, this is, is just parenting. This is just like the mode, right? <laughs> it's just, it's hard. It's yeah. It's just hard. Yeah. Um, and it's beautiful and rewarding and all of the things too, but it is hard. Yeah. So during the pandemic, when they were schooling at home and I was still trying to run the business, I look back now, I look, I don't know how. Yeah. I don't know how I did it. <laughs> I don't know how you did that either. They yeah. would school during the day. I'd be running them. They always, somebody needed something, so going from room to room. And then I'd set them up with dinner, and then I'd go to the warehouse and pack orders. Mm. Yeah, wow. just, I bet you have a bit of amnesia, because you probably look back on it, and you don't <laughs> remember. Do. Kind of like childbirth. You yeah. Don't, you don't remember the really hard stuff. But, yeah. Uh, you just make it work. But, yeah. And at that point, you were doing it all alone. I was. I'm super grateful to have a lot of friends and I have some family close by, and I could not have done it without them. Because when did 100%. you lose Will? December, mid-December 2019. 2019, yeah. I remember. I remember, Um, um, like, I didn't know you guys at all personally, and I was just opening the flower shop at that same time. And I remember Tanya actually came in and mentioned to me that her friend's husband just passed away, and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that, and I'm just learning about the people in town and hearing that it was Will. I was like, oh, I I know him. That's a huge loss. I only met him a handful of times in this very specific way. And to know him then and feel the loss, I can only imagine what the people in his actual life (laughs) feel. Um, Well, and also it's a global loss with, you think about the communities that he's enriching and the relationships that he's built to really nurture. In his 54 years, he reached so many people. Mm -hmm. And that's been one of the most beautiful things is I'll get an email from a customer who met him once at Alameda. Yeah. I have to tell that we lost him and they are like, oh my gosh, I only met him once, but he told me this joke or they have a specific memory of him that stayed with them over the years. Yeah. I'm very sorry for your loss. I just admire strong women and hearing your story. I knew a little bit about it before we spoke today, but hearing more in depth. Yeah. Well, I have goosebumps right now. Yeah. I'm just putting the timeline together. So you had a huge shift. So if I read it in a book or on a movie, I'd be like, that's not real. Yeah. It's just too much. Because actually before he passed, I had a health issue come up that was potentially life-threatening that entire world yeah and I was making a plan for treatment when he passed and had surgery two weeks after he passed and thankfully my issue resolved and then three months later the world shut down yeah so, well, right so, so it's like we just had like loss loss yeah. loss like yeah. it, it was just yeah, yeah it that was, was a lot to be lot. holding and not holding. And not holding. And in a way, having the world shut down matched how we already felt. Right. So it was a kind of weird It was gift, a cocoon that a kind gift of... in a way to be able to cocoon with the boys and not have outside pressures or expectations on us in the same way that we would have if yeah. we hadn't been with the pandemic. So, yeah. Um, it's so interesting to think about going into the pandemic, all these parallel little universes right. in our, each of our homes that right. are f- so different, but then 
all thread together exactly. through one experience that we're all connected through online. Because yeah. before, when you had these pandemics or epidemics or whatever they were, they weren't all over social media. Digitally shared is yeah. the right. way we experienced it. So it's just another little universe that existed. And I, I, I don't know how you did it. And I'm just I don't in either, admiration honestly. of you. and A friend's family support. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes I did it very poorly. Yeah. You know, the first time I was working at the warehouse and door dashed McDonald's for my kids to eat. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. And they were fed. And they were fed. And they were, yeah. fed, they were and safe that's all at home. Matters. Yeah. yeah. I was able to keep working. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Do you have retrospect right now, looking back in that chapter? Because we're a couple years after a lot of the shutdown. Do you have that retrospect yet? Because I feel like a lot of people don't have it yet. And some people can look back and say, here's what I took away from it. Yeah, I feel like I'm just coming out of survival mode. Yeah. um, That it started for me a few months earlier than the pandemic. Yeah. And that I'm only now almost four years in coming up for air and say, okay, what do I want? <laughs> yeah. What do I want my life to be? What do I want the you know the future of the business to be? Um, yeah. It's like, a perfect time for us right? to be having this conversation then. Like, and I love how mean, your yeah. sales rep partnership is taking you into this next chapter and you're probably figuring out as you go. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. that that's beautiful to think about. You've closed a chapter and now you're opening up another one. And that one. was one of the other gifts of the pandemic was realizing that I cannot do it all. Yeah. Because early in motherhood, I had a conversation with a friend and I was beating myself up about something. And she said, I want you to write a list of everything you think you should be able to get done in a day. And so I sat down and wrote this list and then and it was read like it together. two pages was, long. I mean, five people couldn't yeah. do it in a day. Yeah. So that was a really helpful perspective shift of you can't do it alone. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Let's dig into the future of what you're thinking for this chapter. So talk a bit about who your customer is now, how you see them, and then are you going to evolve that? How are you thinking about that? <laughs> I wish I knew clearer <laughs> picture. I feel like that's the million-dollar question is, yeah. who is my customer? It's something that I think is evolving and changing as I grow. Mm-hmm. But in general, my customer is someone who cares about the quality of life for everyone who touches a product, for, yeah. for mm-hmm. knowing that their purchases do no harm, right. first of all, um, and perhaps even do some good. Can um, you talk about what that means for someone that might not understand no harm means? Meaning that the person who created it was paid fairly, worked in humane conditions, mm-hmm. and is supported in their livelihoods. I think as consumers, we have a lot of power with our, our purchases. Yes. So the customer that shops with me wants to know that they're spending money on products that were created by people that were treated fairly, paid mm-hmm. fairly, and have a good quality of life. Yeah. 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 One of the things that I think is another thread, if you will, of our show has been this intentional purchasing. Yes. It's thoughtful. It's not just spending for spending sake. Yes. It's if I'm going to buy a basket, I want to make sure that the basket is not going to be bringing bad energy into my home, right? Or it's not going to fall apart in three days. Like high quality. Exactly. So it's this, I'm going to invest in fewer quality pieces because I know that every level was thought through. Yes. Yes. And that's the thing that I think sets your brand apart is that we get to trust you to do the heavy lifting for us, that you're already vetting it. So we don't have to really think about it. We just get to enjoy the shopping process. And that's what's been so exciting these last, I'd say, five years is there's more and more marketplaces that are doing just that. One of the ones we work with is called Made Trade, Mm. and they have clothing and home goods and all kinds of different products 
for your whole life that they've done that heavy lifting about yeah. we sell our baskets and bags there. Perfect. And there's, there's more and more marketplaces like that that are starting at, which is exciting. That's great because then it also provides another platform to sell to and exactly. then their reach gets more people. You don't have to do all the reaching yourself. Exactly. That's amazing. Yeah. I actually think that's really important and a great avenue to continue to explore for Will and Alice because that will take a lot of that uh, high touch that you are required for Mm -hmm. out of the equation which frees up more time for other things exactly yeah Yeah. that's smart yeah running a small business is not for the faint of heart (laughs) (laughs) it feels like you're walking uphill most of the time Mm -hmm. yeah that's definitely a challenge so being able to be in partnership with other platforms or like-minded businesses is always great I feel like you're in a very exciting moment and you don't see it all, but you yeah. feel pulled there. And we keep hearing this mantra of keep, keep going because you're <laughs> headed in the right direction. Yeah. It's just a matter of clarity and that'll come. Which is important to hear yeah. because there's on any given day, some days I think we're building. This is great. I've got some, some help in place. This is really great. And then the next day can be like, it's all going yeah, it's all going south. I'm going to declare bankruptcy tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so somewhere in the middle is the truth. Yeah, but, um, I think partnerships yeah. are so incredible. And that's yeah. how your husband started a lot of this is yes. through relationship building and exactly doing that through the platforms The the time that's being invested in nurture relationships can hopefully go further. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the whole science behind the influencer, quote unquote, which I don't like that word. But that's right. the idea is that if we nurture relationships with platforms versus individuals, it can really make change. So as you're thinking about this, where's your goal? What's your North Star? Even Um, you might not have clarity, but what's pulling you? Growing our wholesale network. I'm supporting other small businesses is a high priority. Selling more internationally, so I'm reaching other markets, is part of my future goals, as well as other kind of projects, initiatives I want to do with the artisan groups. I had an idea a couple months ago about a photography project that each of the artisans can have access to a camera and some guidance and be able to document their own lives for, let's say, a week and then see what kind of art and beauty comes out of that. Um, that. Especially with your storytelling lens. (laughs) Yeah, it would benefit me being able to use it in advertising and marketing, but also would be a work of art in and of itself. And I think that type of concept helps people spark their own. Yes light maybe they're working making baskets because that's what their mom did or that's mm-hmm. what their sisters do and they have a great life doing it but it's not the thing that lights that them lights up right. and we're so blessed and lucky that we live where we live and we have these opportunities that we get to spark like right. we get to, to easily even light. question and right. explore these ideas right. rather than focus on daily survival right right, right. how it is how it is for most of the world yeah, <laughs> yeah. and giving people who are serving in so many amazing ways, the opportunity to have that spark yeah. as well. That's that's magic. That's a ripple. Yeah. That, yes, I love that phrase, ripple effect, yeah, for it, what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's really cool. I, I would love to keep tabs on that project because that sounds amazing. And, you know, being amazing. able to, it's my goal to be able to travel to Bangladesh. William got to go early on and I haven't had the opportunity because of raising kids, yeah. a pandemic, but that's one of my goals as well in the next couple of years to be able to go and be with artisans in person. To, oh, to I travel. think that shaking of hands, sharing a meal, like yes. feeling that, that like connection. human connection is going to be mind-blowingly Absolutely. incredible for your next chapter. Yeah. So about your entrepreneurship journey, what is the best advice you've ever received? And then also, if you want to throw in your worst advice that you've ever received. (laughs) I actually made notes about this. (laughs) I love it. I love it. it. It, It's 
funny because it has more to do with my personal life than my business life, but it applies to both. Early on in parenthood, I had a friend who helped me shift my perspective from have to get to. Yeah. Because when the kids are small, I just oh, struggled with the daily that's repetitive. Powerful. I have to do everything. laundry. Yeah, exactly. I have to make I eggs. Have to this. Yeah. Um, and she said, well, "What if you said I get to make my kids lunch? Yeah. I get to drive them to preschool. Yeah. I'm writing that down. I'm taking notes as we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. Because then it yeah. like it also highlights everyone who doesn't have the opportunity approaching it with gratitude right. um, at the core. Mm-hmm. That small shift really brought big emotional gains to me in my practice. So I try to approach the business with that as well. I have to do inventory. Yeah. <laughs> I get to do it. I have products to yeah. inventory. I, I have, have a lot of products I, I get to, to inventory. <laughs> uh, I have the space where I can work safely. I have, it's a small shift, but I think it makes a big change. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So that that's was, great. That was some of the best advice. The worst advice, I can't. <laughs> nope. Because, <laughs> okay, I like to talk about failure because... Mm-hmm. I look on journeys that I admire and I think the biggest growth comes from that. And I don't think we one allow ourselves to fail and then to take it even further, fail well. Mm -hmm. So looking back at your journey, is there a failure you had that gave you growth that maybe going through it was really tough, but looking back, it's given you growth. And then do you feel like you could have failed better? What would you differently? Yes, I have definitely learned many lessons the hard way, both personally and professionally. The biggest one I'd have to say was the failure of our previous partnership. Mm. As we were in business with uh, longtime friends, we approached it very naively. Mm -hmm. And it led me to where I am now. Mm -hmm. So I'm really grateful for all those hard lessons. Looking back, I don't know that I would do anything differently. Other than hire a lawyer <laughs> to do the contract, <laughs> right, and not just a handshake deal, and have it on paper yeah. so and you know what you're getting exactly. into. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, William and I both lead with our hearts in business and in life. And looking back, I can say that we were true to ourselves mm-hmm. uh, and kept our integrity throughout the whole process. But it was definitely devastating. Yeah, it shook yeah. us to the core. When um, I hear that, there's a lot of love there, right? Yeah. When you are leading with your heart, there's love for each other for people across the table and it's so much harder to go through when there's love exactly yeah it did serve me well to not be in partnership when he passed away Mm -hmm. uh, that I was able to make decisions and pivot as I saw fit I didn't have to answer to anyone else so it was a gift in that way that it played out the way it did I love the idea of be true to yourself with your heart, but also be have smart. Yeah. Be smart. Be smart, exactly. Yeah. And get things on paper. But I'm doing something similar right now with the sanctuary. This is going to be an LLC. You all sign contracts. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> love you. That leadership. Yeah. And love you right. and. Right. Not yeah. love you, but right. yeah, I love you and right. we all need this <laughs> formal structure. Because the whole thing is that like we can hold ourselves to our heart, our love, right? Mm-hmm. But love doesn't look the same for everyone. Exactly. And so even those people on the other end of the table might still have love in their heart, but the way that they would love through this situation is not necessarily matching mine, which is <laughs> <laughs> honoring their version and my version. The best way to do that is to agree to it in writing. Yeah. So that way we can come back to it. So I hear that. I'm like in the mud of that right now. And I was so grateful to have William still with me while we were going through that devastation because it really did rock us to the core, both my self-esteem as a person and as a business person. It had us questioning all of of our decisions that we made along the way. From this vantage point, I can say we really did our best 
And if that wasn't matching, then wasn't yeah. anything that we did or didn't do that was wrong. We did our best. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And then you no longer agreed on your version of what that love is or exactly. that, that partnership is. Right. Right. So yeah. I think yeah. at that point, it makes sense, right? Yeah. It makes sense to break away yeah. and honor, like you said, honor both sides. I'm just imagining this scale, this messy heart on one side, and then this like very clear black and white, like clarity on this side, and you have to have both. Okay, so that's a great lesson learned. Totally, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think a lot of female entrepreneurs also yes. default to that. Like, yes. it isn't a place where we feel comfortable or confident being like, actually, let's get this in writing. A you great know? point, though, the women's perspective, because that mm-hmm. might feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And I don't know why for women more than men, but I do agree with that point. Like, talking about money, talking about business feels a bit taboo right. in like the, the, or the inevitable conflicts yeah. that arise with right. business. Yeah. William was so good at de-escalating conflicts mm. or, or not shying away from them. And that's right. something that I have really struggled with. I tend to just be like, everything's fine. <laughs> so having to stand on my own and have some hard conversations, it's been good to push me out of my comfort zone. Along those lines, because I do think conflict resolution is yes. a needed skill or an entrepreneur as you're learning, because this wasn't where you saw yourself before when you had Will. So now that you've taken on that role, what have you learned from it? What are your, here's how I approach it. (laughs) (laughs) Work in progress. Um, You know, it's funny because I try to think about what would I tell one of my kids if they were facing this Mm -hmm. situation and then follow that same advice myself, which is hard to do. It's always easier to tell somebody else what to do. Coming back to the core of who I am and being honest. Mm -hmm. Last year, end a business relationship with someone who was doing something for me and I avoided it for two months first, ended up paying extra money and then realized, hey, no, this isn't working for me. And so I just said, hey, this isn't working for me. Yeah. And I (laughs) think that is a gift of clarity to them Mm -hmm. too. Sometimes we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or we just Mm want to avoid that uncomfortable moment. But I think not giving them that directness and clarity is also, it's a disservice to them too. Yeah. uh, You asked this question and then we like, breeze right through it. And I think the reason why women don't feel comfortable having these conversations is historically we weren't involved in these conversations. So like men default were in the room, in the men's clubs, smoking rooms, like they have this history of managing conflict and contracts and relationships. And women were tending our homes and creating relationships outside the home for our social calendar. Mm -hmm. But the stakes are so much lower in that context and so we have the soft skills for years and and men often struggle with like feeling like they have a place at a barbecue or feeling comfortable in group settings and I think that's why is that we are starting to generational it's generational and we are starting to really exchange the things that we have historically taken as our gender roles and learning in conversation with women who are entrepreneurs and makers and just exchanging our experiences is the greatest gift of all because it says, yeah, I know that's hard and sticky and men are not going to be having this conversation, right? They're not going to be like, I hear you. I see you. That was a hard conversation (laughs) to have. And women will be like, no, we need that. We need those cheers. Yeah, this is hard and we're going to get better at it as like collective. But like right now we're, we're messy about it and that's okay. And that's one thing that I think sometimes running your own business, you can feel like you're in a vacuum. Yes. There's nobody to bounce things off of. Having friends professionally and in your uh, personal life that you can 
check in with. Yeah. Hey, I need a reality check here. Yeah, it's really important. Right. Is this an emotional kind of response? Yes. Or is this, <laughs> is this the correct answer here? And right. also being able to understand the emotional response, because I mm-hmm. think as women, many of us have that compassion and that empathy. I'll never forget one of the first times I negotiated my salary with my boss, a woman, and an incredible mentor. I went in there terrified, and I was shaking. Mm-hmm. And I remember her saying, why do you feel like you deserve this number? And I remember just stumbling on my work. She goes, keep going. She stepped to the side and she goes, keep going. Mm-hmm. And then she put herself back. She took off yeah. the hat of my boss. Yeah. And then shifted to be your mentor. Like yeah. a sister. Yeah. yeah. And I'll never forget that interaction of a man would have never done that. Right. Yeah. Given me that permission to be a little scared to be right. having the yeah. conversation and, and her to be going. able to say, yeah. and keep yes. going. Pat yeah. me on like yeah. my arm. Yeah. And she literally moved, shifted in her seat to take off the hat that she was wearing. Yeah. Like, keep going. Like, it's okay. And it was, yeah. That's I'll beautiful. never forget that yeah. moment. And I always think about if I'm on the other side of the table, I'm going exactly. to do Informs that. Informs how yeah. you will, yeah. will be in the future. Having generations before us of women who have busted glass ceilings and gone on paths that weren't available to women before. I think that's just the gift of the generations that have come before. That threads back to who you're supporting. I think about our environment here. Mm -hmm. We're in a complete different environment than when you think about Bangladesh. And Mm -hmm. Maslow's hierarchy of needs, they're on a different level than we're sitting in this room with running water and safety and a lot of the things that we know where the (laughs) our next meal is coming from and right when you talk about sustaining these communities through women you're threading it all the way through to yes on a global platform like you said absolutely and that's what's so amazing about the artisan groups that we work with the handicrafts is just one very small part of what they do and supporting women in all areas of their lives is their top priority yeah, invest in yeah. a woman and you're helping a whole yeah, community. Whole family. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, exactly. A whole yeah. community. Yeah. 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 Something you said earlier brought a quote similar to my head. That was essentially that. It's like when we invest in women, we're not just supporting one person. That one yeah, person. Exactly. And, and when we educate a woman, it's not just her. Like generations to it, come. <laughs> absolutely. And yeah. I think that's the magic. There's companies and they produce products or bring us products. We're drawn to them over and over again. We don't really know why. What do you think is that sort of glowing orb that <laughs> surrounds well an atlas that calls people back? I wish I could could name it. I wish I could quantify yeah. it. One of the things that I struggled with earlier on was, was comparing myself to brands that had whole teams of people doing things. And yeah. here I was just one person trying to to do the same thing. And I think recognizing what it is that we're good at, Mm -hmm. what it is that we are bringing to the world and just keeping your eyes on your own paper and keep going. (laughs) Even when it's hard, even as when you're struggling to just to to keep moving forward. That's something I learned through these last four years of personal struggle and with a business and to also know when things aren't working, that it's okay and that you can take the lesson and then move forward. I got drinks with a friend last night and she asked me that exact question. She's Wendy, how do you know when to stop giving energy to something? And I was like, to be honest, I don't know that I know. I just know when I'm done. When I'm done. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know if there's signals. I just know when I'm maxed out and I don't know that's particularly healthy either, but, but there is a moment where it's okay. Is is, is it just gut? Do you feel? I live by my gut. Yeah. Um, Yeah. My gut instincts have served me well. So far, as far as what sets Will and Atlas apart, um, like it, it, 
I can't quantify it. I'm someone who lives by my heart, and I hope there are other people like that who are drawn to not just the beauty and function of the product, but also the story and what our network supports. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I feel like we both have done this multiple times where we're struggling with a price of something where it's just, I don't know if I can get the markup or margin I need on this item Mm -hmm. to make it worth my while to import it and then try and sell it. There is a cost associated with doing all of that business, right? And so you sit and you look at it and you're like, can I really get $20 out of this? Can I get $40 out of this thing? And being able to understand that I don't have to pay that right. <laughs> retail, right? I am not my customer. Can shift it too. Yeah. It's okay. So I'm not my customer. The story is important to me, but I know at the end of the day that maybe that item is not going to be important enough for me right. to spend the extra money on it. Right. However, there's somebody who is here in this world who values those things and does have the extra capital right. cash flow to prioritize the basket in a way that is meaningful, right? right? And that support is actually the thing. You're actually, you're doing them a service too because they want to spend that money on that thing. They in actually wouldn't, way. Yeah. and they wouldn't buy a cheaper version of it. Right, That's right. the whole thing. Is yeah. that- <laughs> well, I think you said it well, bringing bad energy in because- there's the items that I have no idea where they came from right. or like what that energy is. And when you said humane environment, working in a humane environment, like I just got this picture of women, mm-hmm. probably children to some extent in environments that aren't safe. And yeah. do you really want to contribute to that? And right. now as a mother, that truly matters to me. You know, I think there's some customers who just want the look of something and right. they don't care what where it came from or they just want the look. And then there's others that value the rest of it. The value, the construction, the material, where it came from, who made it. And that's who I'm looking for. Yeah. <laughs> Those are my customers. Yeah. It's intentional buying too, because mm-hmm. I'm a mother without time. And sometimes I'm just like, I need something right. immediately. Yeah. And you just have to get it. And I then there's also this ability to say, you know what? I'm going to pause a bit mm-hmm. and I don't need this now. I can think, I can make do. Be very yeah. intentional about where these dollars go. And right. it might take longer to find the right storied item that's. Right. track all the way back to its beginning yeah. and be proud of that and bringing right. that into your home. Right. Yeah. So let's you as a, take <laughs> off your entrepreneur hat and put on your own hat as a mother. And mm-hmm. how long have you lived in Benicia? Are so you? I moved here in 2003. So okay. gosh, 20 years. Okay. Yeah. And you were in Alaska before. I went to school in Santa Cruz. Okay. And then moved to San Francisco and then L.A. And then back and forth San Francisco, L.A. like uh-huh. four times. And then I met William. I was done with the city, was done with San Francisco and wanted a different kind of life. I had interviewed with the PBS station and then I met William and that all shifted. So. Is he from here? Did we no, talk about he also moved around a lot. His uh, father was in the Navy, mm. so he was born in Connecticut and then lived all over the world and... Went to high school in Connecticut again, and then moved to Benicia after he got out of the Navy. He was in got Hawaii it. before that. So. Got it. And That's what year so was funny. that? There's like a deep path from Hawaii to Benicia. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. That is like a jet stream of it's people. True. Partly through the Navy because yeah. Mare Island yeah, there. Yeah. But yeah, no, gosh, he used to be the chef and general manager at the Union Hotel. Oh, wow. That was... Mm-hmm. 90s. <laughs> it always helps me to understand roots when I think about geographies because mm-hmm. there's so these miniature cultures that exist and mm-hmm. inform who you become. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with that context, that helps me. Thank you. 
Talk about your typical day. What's your morning ritual? Oh, how yeah, do you? This is literally my <laughs> yeah. favorite question. And then go into your typical day. Like, how do you spend your time? I had to laugh at the morning ritual because <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> what I'm, is that? I am a night owl. Did so, you have to Google yeah. it? <laughs> I was just going to say because you have three kids because that yeah. mine yeah. is just out the door. Yeah, so I don't really have a morning ritual. My morning ritual is press snooze like too many times and then scramble out of bed and get three kids out the door uh, that yeah. tends to be my morning that's how I sound right now <laughs> right? Um, but I do try to take time at night after the kids are in bed that's when the house is quiet and either I like wash the dishes and just take my time or read a Another book dishwasher. I know yeah. Wendy loves washing dishes that is not <laughs> so therapeutic for me it's meditative really I hate, okay so yeah. I hate washing dishes yes let me set the record yeah. straight is my least I hate favorite doing dishes yeah. but while I'm washing dishes yes. it's meditative and so yeah. I just I shared on Instagram I did a live of me washing dishes and just talking to people because that's when I meditate is Mm -hmm. when I'm doing the dishes. It's like where my thoughts can just flow in and out and there's no judgment or rushing through it. It's I'm stuck here doing this repetitive task and like it does allow me the opportunity to really sit with a couple of things. Is Um, that how you feel? Yes. One of the things I do for myself is I write poetry and some of my favorite Works have come from phrases that pop in my head while I'm washing dishes. There's something about the water and the repetitiveness that um, inspires creativity. Do you share the poetry or is it for your own therapy? It's mostly for me. Yeah. Yeah. You have so many talents. (laughs) So many (laughs) talents. I didn't say it was good. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's an outlet. Yeah. It's like I think we all need that creative outlet. Yeah. That's great. And then your day. So right. see how you start and you finish. Yes. So what is your After I get like? the kids out the door, my new habit is to take some time for myself. I started working with a personal trainer. That was oh, one of my right. birthday gifts to myself. So I do that twice a week or I take the dog for a walk and try to just do some kind of physical activity. Mm-hmm. And then I settle in at the computer, answer emails, print out orders. And then I go to the warehouse and pack orders. That's something I still do myself. And then the rest of the afternoon is usually running around, picking things up. Yeah. And then driving kids. Yeah. Teenage stage. None of my kids drive yet. So I drive kids for hours every day (laughs) to practices and friends and Mm -hmm. lots of different activities. And then it's some kind of dinner. <laughs> Do you cook? William was a chef yeah. um, professionally for many years. So when he passed, like dinner falling on me was yeah. like a huge adjustment. So I'm starting to cook more. I've always baked. Baking has been my thing. Yeah. But you can't have cookies for dinner every night. So. Yeah. You and I sound so similar. Yeah. I hate cooking. I love baking. Exactly. Baking allows me to do the thing, get it in the oven, and then go do something else. Exactly. And then I get a and reward. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But cooking, cooking every night for three kids right. is a thankless task. There's always somebody you serve. You spend hours making right. something, and right. you serve it, and there's and always somebody. I'm not eating that. Yeah. So that's exhausting. So how do you shop? With that context, now that we have a sense of your day and what's important to you right now, which is raising your boys, this business, not having a ton of time. It sounds like you don't have a ton of time for yourself, even though you have to carve it out. (laughs) I love, yeah. So like, how are you shopping right now? What, where are you prioritizing your purchases? And if you had to get specific, what's your favorite recent purchase that you've had? Oh, yeah. I'm I'm not much of a shopper for myself outside of necessities. One of the gifts of the pandemic for me was I'm never going to Costco again. I'm always going to get it delivered. Yes. So taking that out of my day was such a gift. But when I'm looking for something for myself, I want to know that it's high quality, that it's going to last. I want to know that it's, like I said, had, has done no harm to anyone who made the product or is selling it. Yeah, the same kind of priorities that I put with my own yeah. business I approach 
things for my kids. Sometimes you just need some socks and yeah, mm-hmm. go to Target and get some socks. But um, do you find that you are in person shopping or are you online shopping primarily? Online. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as a teenager, I went to the mall like everybody else. But yeah. um, in my adult life, shopping has never been a verb for me. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of like falls into the way that you run your business also, exactly. right? So for you, if you're looking for all of those same values that you represent in your brand, when you're purchasing for yourself, you're relying on great imagery, mm-hmm. amazing story, yep, great description to yeah. really click that button. Exactly. Yeah. And good customer service. That's yeah. one thing that I do pride myself on is I want a happy customer. Mm-hmm. So that's a high priority for me. Yeah. And I expect that of the businesses that I interact with as well. So we like to ask what's sticky because <laughs> we're very different people. We also think very differently. I right. made her take a personality test. So. Yeah, she did. <laughs> <laughs> we want to give that because you've given us a time that you don't have. So yeah. thank you for that. Yes. Thank you very for clear having me. really fun. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything we can help with to bounce an idea off of or something that's sticky for you right now that you could just use a soundboard? The thing that I've struggled with, obviously, is growth, mm. growing sales, brand awareness, mm-hmm. getting getting the name out there, getting our products out there. Personally, the thing I have struggled with a lot is that I can't do it all myself, as we touched on before. From a business perspective, being connected to other women who are good at what they do is, is such a gift as well. Yeah. Whether it's another entrepreneur to share struggles with or advice or I'm looking for an accountant yeah and I want so it's hard to find somebody that was good at what they do and that you trust I have a great bookkeeper so that helps but working with Tanya our Mm -hmm. photographer it's so great to support another mom so yeah just expanding my network both locally and globally of women yeah doing similar things yeah so I have the boss babes group uh, yes, we have a meeting coming up, so oh, I'd good, love good. it for you to join yeah. national. I actually think that would be mostly beneficial yes. is trying to get you linked up with more of the boutique buying community. Yes. yes. Yeah, um, definitely. Because the products that you are, which we, I just keep saying baskets, but it's so much <laughs> more than baskets. <laughs> yeah. Like how would you describe the collection for someone who doesn't know? Cause I think we were familiar the, with the line. The, the core is like baskets yeah, and bags. So it's home goods right. and accessories. Right, so right. I have um, baskets made from jute from um, palm fiber, from um, hogla grass. And then I have little shopper bags that are in line that are just you know, great grab-and-go bags. I have bigger lined totes. Mm-hmm. And then I have some other products in the work that I'm really excited about. A new belt bag that's coming soon. Oh, cool. That, yeah. yeah. I can't. I, ha- I was using the sample and I had to give it to the photographer <laughs> to shoot. Yeah. yeah. And then textiles, tea towels, runners. Exactly. Yeah. So I also have aprons and tea yeah. towels yeah. and woven fabrics. Yeah, my quick thought is I think you're on actually on a very right path mm-hmm. with having this partner that you've brought on to outsource that piece and looking at platforms versus at individuals. Yeah. I think you've done a fantastic job to date just knowing your story and knowing that you're one person behind this brand that is an influencing brand. And you've built that. Like you're not just a platform for buying a product. You, now you're an influencer in terms of taste and curation. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, you've done that. No, so. it's true. It's yeah. true. When you and I were working together a couple of weeks ago, we were instantly exchanging the things that influence us. And we're all in the same wave of this is a lifestyle that right. we're all part of proponents for. It's a slowing down. It's a calming. It's not collecting or consuming for that sake. It's yeah, prioritizing what's really Important. Right. And beautiful. Exactly. It's creating spaces that are aesthetically pleasing mm-hmm. and give you a sense of 
place, whether that's like a specific location or your connection to the greater world and understanding that. There's something really lovely going back to that first part of our conversation today about the French antiques and that connection with the bas- the handwoven baskets. It's that's how you actually curate a home that feels like home. And I think having the, one of the, the beauties about the antiques is having really unique pieces mm-hmm. that reflect your personality. Yeah, I love that. And then with the baskets, having natural fibers, I think, yeah. is really calming in a space. And then from a Virgo perspective, having things that help you stay Tidy, organized. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I would say to build on that, because I think you're headed in the right direction of these yeah. partnerships mm-hmm. to grow virally in a way. The thing that I, I want to pull out is this background in film and storytelling, mm-hmm. because I think when you do make it to Bangladesh, if you had this project around doing a mini documentary around yes. these women and yes. that community. and That is a dream. <laughs> there's nothing that drives me more mm-hmm. to act, whether it's by or show up somewhere when I know the story of someone that I'm supporting Absolutely. and I'm inspired by. Yeah. So I would just throw that out there if it's a possibility to make that a, a to-do while you're there, as you're experiencing it for yourself, how you can share that with That's others. definitely part of my future dream is to be able to do that. One of the connecting things, whether it's motherhood or grief or yeah. health issues, we are all the same as mm-hmm. humans in that way. We are born, we live, we die. Yeah. And that connection is so important. Yeah. 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 So I'm inspired. I don't even know what you're, what we're going to talk about next, okay. but I, I'm already ready to buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what product are we going to highlight through this story just to end on our Love Click to Buy episode where we bookend with a product and feature on the podcast? One of the new um, collections I have is the Harvest Collection, okay. and it's these baskets made from Hogla grass, which is a, a seed grass, and they are super sturdy yet flexible and lightweight. Our new set of laundry baskets, there's comes in three sizes, is I have all of them in my in my house. Mm-hmm. Each of the boys has one, mm-hmm. and they're so lightweight that when you by the time you have all the laundry in them, the kids can still carry them around. Oh, that's so, nice. Yeah, and they are. I think although the sides are flexible, um, they stand upright on their own. So they're super practical, which and um, they're woven, hand woven. And exactly. tell me a little bit more about seagrass. Is yeah. it invasive? Is it similar? Like it is. Yeah. Is yeah. It, yeah. I'm like I'm always like, <laughs> is it a problem? Let's rip that thing out and make exactly. something good with it. Exactly. Yeah. And okay. there's some other uh, materials that I'm looking into developing products that are even more invasive. The That's great. Water hyacinth. Water hyacinth exactly. for sure. Yeah. So I have some products in development that'll utilize those. So it's a grass that's easily grown, and they weave it into these amazingly strong baskets. So for for listeners who don't know, invasive (laughs) means bad. The (laughs) item itself is not good for the ecosystem. And so it depletes and degenerates the areas in which it thrives. So we're hitting a few birds with one stone. So we're hitting a lot of birds with (laughs) these stones. So anytime that there's like a invasive sort of weed or grass or like water hyacinth uh, clogs waterways to the point where not even fish can get through and depletes the oxygen levels like being able to turn that into a functional usable object beautiful like a lot of the times these things are just stunning when the right people can make the right art with it yeah in my head I want to see the picture of it being made because I think that's the beauty of this more intentional about having this Mm. story in my mind that this product is sitting here talking about laundry that's a very very much a ritual in somebody's right, home. Right. Every time you touch it, it's that good energy. You supported something and it's yeah. really reaching the globe. Yeah. The point about you needing the story and the visuals in order to buy something. I'm a touch person. And so I need to feel it. I need to see how sturdy it is and like really right. understand the quality of it that way. Like I'm tactile. Yeah. 
but utilizing it in the photo shoots and showing how it's being used and seeing the different textures together, that all tells that story without you having to physically touch it. Which is why one of my priorities is growing our wholesale network as well. So yeah. people who are more tactile can go to a local boutique yes. and be able to see the products. And Norma has all kinds of ideas about yeah, that. Good. So <laughs> we'll, have, we'll save that for another, yeah, another cast, another pod. <laughs> but um, thank you thank so you. much. Thank you, for, thank you for having me. This was really fun. This is Wendy and Norma inviting you to transact with love.